Hi, St. John's. For this week's podcast, we decided to feature one of our favorite recent sermons. We hope you enjoy. I'm going to uh, start it off with a quote from Thomas Cranmer, um, and this comes from the Book of Common Prayer. He says this, Grant that we may follow the example of Jesus' patience. Kind of like, that's a high bar to, to start the sermon, right? So can we follow the example of Jesus' patience? Um, and then I think Tim Keller, who we are indebted for some of the inspiration of this uh, sermon series from his book, Jesus the King, uh, he says this to kind of unpack the challenges of patience that I think we all face in our lives. Look at what Tim Keller says here. He says, patience is love for the long haul. It is bearing up under difficult circumstances without giving up or giving in to bitterness. Isn't this so real? There's always a temptation to come to the end of your patience. How many of you have been there in life? Okay, so like life can test your patience and then if it's really hard, if it's really stressful and you got a ton of anxiety, there can be a temptation to say, maybe let's, let's do something else. Let, let's try something else in life. Some of you, uh, some of you are nodding your heads because you're going through something uh, right now uh, as we speak. And so patience can be a very difficult thing. And so this uh, sermon, the pastor's, uh, Pastor PJ um, is the one that broke out these passages. He's, he's done such a beautiful job breaking out this sermon series. So you're going to notice some continuity from last week on the storm if you were here Um, But this sermon is titled, The Waiting, okay? That you're waiting for something. You're waiting for a baby. You're waiting for the healing. Uh, You're waiting for a new job. Uh, You're waiting for, you can fill in the blank, you're waiting for something. And you know, like how many of you, like, like maybe your human nature, maybe your sinful nature wants it all now? Okay? There's two of you that are being honest right now. Um, so, like, you want it all now, right? Like, I, I want it now, and so can we get going? Can we get moving? And so you kind of just uh, have a hard time. We all have a hard time with the waiting. And so we're going to jump into Mark chapter 5, and you're going to notice this man by the name of Jairus. He's a first century uh, ruler of the synagogue. He's an elected official. So this, this is an important person in this cultural climate, this religious climate. This man takes care of the worship service, the school, the building. So he's like the worship arts director, the facility manager. He's everything. So this man, uh, we're about to be introduced to him in just a sec. So let's roll Mark chapter 5, verses 21 to 22. Here is what Mark says here. It says, and when Jesus had crossed again in the boat, if you missed the sermon on the storm last Sunday, check it out at renewaldenver.tv. It was an amazing sermon. To the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet. So what we see right off the bat is, Like, there's something desperate going on in this man's life, right? So he's falling at Jesus' feet publicly, 
And, and mind you, he knows the Pharisees, these are the religious leaders that so far they don't like Jesus. And so far they've said, you don't want to be associated with Jesus. So this man's stepping out in faith, but you could tell there's an extremely desperate situation that he's in. Let's continue, and he's going to tell us. It says, and implored him earnestly, saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. It's like, can you imagine that? For those of you who have children, can you imagine your, your little girl is at the point of death, or your, your little boy is at the point of death. So now we're getting a glimpse into why he's falling at Jesus' feet. He's heard that this man can make miracles, so he's going to the source. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live, and he went with him. All right, so right off the bat, we see this desperate situation, but then the narrative is gonna take a turn. And a great crowd followed him. This is verses 24 to 26. And thronged about him. So it's not just Jesus and uh, Jairus, but rather there's all these people that are following Jesus because he's the famous miracle worker. He's the man that can uh, cause healing to happen. And then last Sunday, we saw the power of God that he could actually calm a storm. And there was a woman, so now there's another person entering into the narrative who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians. Does this sound familiar to any of you? Have you ever had a doctor that did not come through for you? Uh, I probably shouldn't get on my soapbox today. Um, so, and had spent all that she had and was not better, but rather grew worse. So, culturally, I would tell you this. First century Jewish culture, she has a discharge of blood um, that's not being taken care of. She's a social outcast in that first century Jewish religious climate. So, people were not allowed to associate with her in public or touch her. Okay? But what we're going to see is that Jesus is going to break through the religious rules. He's going to break through that culture. He's going to break through kind of those categories that we put when it comes to social categories and social classes. And he's going to come through with his grace in a bit. But see, but the thing I want you to see here is somebody is also kind of holding things up for Jairus too. So continuing, it says, she had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. She's not supposed to be doing that. The first century religious climate, she's not supposed to touch anyone, but look at what she says. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Okay, and then look at this. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him. This word in the Greek is dunamis. It's where we get our word dynamite. And so what's happening here is Jesus feels that power has come out from him. 
This is pointing forward to the cross where Jesus lost his power and emptied himself to the point of death, even death on a cross, so that we could have life and we could have life in abundance. That's what he's doing for her at this moment in time. But then continuing, immediately Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? Because he felt something. And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you and yet you say, who touched me? Sometimes the disciples, you could see like, they got a little bit of an attitude sometimes. <laughs> like they're like, like, we don't know what happened. You're the one that knows who touched you. We don't know who touched you. And then it says, and he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And she says, it was me. All right. So what's going on here? Okay, the first thing I would just point out to you is what are you thinking if you're Jairus? So if you're Jairus, you're like, hey, like the clock's ticking. My daughter's gonna die. You're taking care of this woman, but you know, she's been dealing with this for 12 years. She knows how to get through it. Like, she's not going to die. So, like, death should take priority, like if someone's going to lose their life, right? So, in our 21st century culture, in the medical field, this is kind of how it would work, too. Um, and it also is the same in the first century medical field. This would be medical malpractice. Jesus, why are you taking care of her and not my daughter so there's anxiety can you feel Jairus's anxiety right now if you're him and you have a little girl who's about to die like I'm I'm feeling his pain right now I have two beautiful daughters so like come on let's go Jesus let's go but here is kind of some truths I would share with you that have been a blessing with me, to me, and a blessing to our community lately. And, and, and the first truth I would share with you, if you're waiting for something, if you're impatient right now and you kind of want it to be fulfilled, you'd like there to be a conclusion, I want to encourage you with this truth from Psalm 139, verses 7 through 10 and verse 16. Look at what it says. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If, my, if I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. And then check this verse. This is verse 16. Your eyes saw my unformed body, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. What is the psalmist saying to us today? He is saying, God is all-knowing. He knows the future. He knows you even better than you know yourself. He has created us. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. Jesus says these words to us today. Do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has sufficient trouble of its own. And he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. 
knowing that everything will be provided to you as well. And, and I love what he says because he, he says a thing that he puts it in his own words and we all kind of quote him. Uh, now, Jesus always, I remember one man uh, who isn't a believer. Uh, he said to me, Andrew, oh ye of little faith. And I said, whatever it takes to get you to quote Jesus. I'm good. Um, and then how many of you have heard the statement, uh, why worry about the things you can't control? Jesus says, who by worrying can add a single hour to their span of life? Um, at our Wash Park campus, uh, uh, about a week and a half ago, I was in the community room and I ran into a friend who's a parent at our K-8 through school there. And he said, Andrew, how you doing? And then so for some of you who know some things that have been going on at the Wash Park campus, you know he was asking that um, kind of in a timely fashion, and he's a friend. So with a friend, I can't just be like, oh, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm filled with peace and contentment. <laughs> like, but I was like, eh, uh, I'm, I, I think I said, I'm taking things one day at a time. Okay, I'm fine, I'm taking things one day at a time. But then I remembered I said this. I kind of wish the duration of the storm would be less. Okay? If you notice last Sunday, if you missed it, you got to hear it. Like Jesus kind of waits till the last minute to calm the storm. Like the boat's filled with water and they're freaking out and they're like, don't you care about us? And then uh, like he kind of waits and he's sleeping in the boat. Uh, one of my takeaways of that passage is we just need to calm down like Jesus. He's sleeping. Let's get some rest. Um, but so, like how many of you, you'd kind of would like for the duration of the storm to be less. You'd like the, the waiting period, the patience period to kind of, you know, can it, can it be decreased? Like, Jesus, can we negotiate? Can we cut it in half a little bit? Okay, now, here's what I would encourage you with some truths that have also encouraged me lately is this Psalm 27, verse 14. This concept here is in many places, but here is a prominent place in the Psalms. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. In the waiting... It's not about the storm, but who you become in the midst of the storm. It's not about the waiting, but it's about the growth that you can embark upon in the midst of the waiting. And did you hear what it says there? It says, be strong. Be strong. And so what I would liken it a lot to in, in our lives uh, physically is like how many of you exercise um now you guys you guys are not fitting in with denver i'm not seeing a lot of hands raised um we're the most fit city in america come on um but like so if you exercise like how many of you you're like you know i don't feel like it this morning uh every day right <laughs> yeah i've been there because i exercise at like I think it's like 7 a.m., so, and I'm still getting caffeinated, and I'm still trying to get 
to the right spot. Um, and so uh, if you work out in the morning, you never feel like it. Your body is still waking up. How many of you are tempted to not finish the workout video? If you do workout videos, you kind of are like, you know, this is a good place to stop. No one's watching. Um, so, but what I would tell you is this. You keep on going. There's stress that's being put on your muscles. Your, your body is being stressed out as you keep going. But in the same way as your muscles grow in the midst of stress, so also this psalm is saying that in the midst of spiritual stress, God's gonna grow you. God's gonna form you. God's gonna, God's gonna work on you if you would lean into him in that moment, in that season of waiting. I ran into a good friend who, um, it was actually after memorial service and he was there and he kind of hung out after the memorial service. He's a good friend and he seems like that guy who's like the last five years, he's always in and out of surgery. There's a surgery, there's a sickness, there's something. And I'm like, wow, this guy's been through a lot. So I said to him, I said, hey, what has God taught you in the midst of all of your pain and suffering that you have gone through? And he said, God wanted me to be more focused on my spiritual well-being in comparison to my physical well-being. He said, the physical is transient, the spiritual is eternal. And then he said, God is also forming me to talk my walk so that I would bear witness to who he is in my life so I could minister to others who also are suffering in the same way that I have suffered. And I was like, that's a man that's grown during the trial, is it not? That's a man that was listening to God in the midst of the waiting, listening in the midst of the stress that was going on in his life. And what I would also encourage you with, like, with those truths, like that's a kind of, super spiritual truths, but like write those truths down in your journal. I want to encourage you to journal in the midst of the waiting. Talk to yourself. Write down and capture the promises and truths of God in the midst of the waiting. And then also I would tell you this, make your requests known to God. All right, and so last Sunday, did the disciples keep going to Jesus? They're like, wake up, Jesus, you're sleeping, we need you. And then in this passage, people are coming to Jesus with requests. We got two people so far. I want to I encourage you with this verse. Philippians chapter 4, uh, verses 6 through 7. This is from the Apostle Paul. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Wow. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Remember what God has already given you. Present your requests to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So there's a peace that's from above. There's a peace that's higher. There's a peace that is otherworldly. There's a peace that's transcendent. And what he is saying here is pray and keep praying and God's gonna give you peace that he's all powerful that he has a plan. And here's what I would also encourage you with too is Romans 8 says that if God is for us, who can be against us? 
So in other words, you got Jesus on your side, you're good. And then check this out. Not only can we get a peace from above, but I want to tell you this. Jesus is interceding for you, according to Romans chapter 8. Now, that word interceding just means he's praying on your behalf and talking to the Father on your behalf. And this is not just anyone that's talking to the Father on your behalf, but Jesus is mighty God, God of the whole earth, Savior, Emmanuel, the Creator, the Alpha and Omega, the power of God, the Good Shepherd, the Tree of Life, the Bread of God, the Light of the World, your Rock, your Refuge. This is who is interceding for you. So, praise be to God for that. So when we're waiting, I want to encourage you with these truths, but then let's shift back to the narrative and see what happens. Mark chapter 5, verse 35. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, all right, this is Jairus' worst nightmare now, right? Look at what it says. Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? So if you're Jairus, you're like, this is what I was afraid was going to happen. You're focused on the woman. You're not focused on my daughter. Verse 36. But here, look at Jesus' response. But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. So what is Jesus saying? I know this isn't making sense to you right now. It's not making sense to your schedule. It's not making sense to your timing. It's not making sense at all. But I want you to trust me and I want you to follow me and I I want you to be patient. That's what he's saying in the midst of this. This got me thinking a lot about schedules and timing and how we think of timing. Um, I remember like after college I went to Greece and like everybody was just late to everything. But then they would laugh and be like, oh, it's okay, Andrew, we're on Greek time. I'd be like, oh, okay, 40 minutes late. It's Greek time. But then when I was living in southern Oregon, that's where I was before here, we were friends with a Polish family. And we invited them over for dinner. And then they would be like knocking on the door an hour before we told them to come over. And they'd be like, hi. And I'd be like, hi. Welcome to our house. Uh, So, what's your timing? What's your schedule? How do you think things should be? See, I think last Sunday in the storm passage, what God was teaching us is that God's grace and love are compatible with the storms of life. Now, in this passage, I believe God's teaching us that his grace and love are also compatible when his timing is not what we think it should be. This is one that we need to embrace. Here's why. The Psalms say God is perfect in all of his ways. What does that mean? It means because he's perfect, he can't sin against you. And it means this too. 
that this light and momentary affliction, no matter what, for the believer, is preparing for you an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As you look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Okay, so, like, there's a bigger picture that God always has, but uh, this quote from Tim Keller is very, very pointed this morning. Look at this. And he's kind of quoting, hypothetically, Jesus here. It's not, I will be hurried even though I love you. It's, I will not be hurried because I love you. I know what I'm doing. And if you try and impose your understanding of schedule and timing on me, you will struggle to feel loved by me. How many of you can relate to this? So, the invitation is to trust him. He says, trust me. I think we're, I think we're better off trusting Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And then here's what happens next. Verses 37 through 40. And Jesus allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John. Uh, And so these are three of the 12 apostles. These are kind of the senior leaders amongst uh, the 12 apostles. Peter is also called the first among equals. Uh, So these are the first elders or pastors of the church. And then it says, they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue. And Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. This still occurs in Middle Eastern culture today. If you go to a, a, a funeral in the Middle East, there is very loud weeping and wailing, sometimes by professionals, and then also especially by moms. Um, and then they're all wearing black as a sign of mourning, and, and they're kind of showing like how much they love their children. And it's, it's, really, um, it's really kind of a disturbing thing to watch. It's a little bit intense. Uh, the, there's no concept of a celebration of life in the Middle East. Yeah, that's not how they think. They're mourning. And when he had entered, Jesus said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. Jesus is referring to death as sleep. So death isn't so bad. The Apostle Paul will refer to death as sleep as well because Jesus has power over death. And they laughed at him. I could totally picture this in in Middle Eastern culture. Like, what is this guy talking about? Verses 40 to 42. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately, the girl got up and began walking, for she was only 12 years of age, and they were immediately overcome with amazement. Keep on going to Jesus. Here's what I would tell you. 
you're going to get more than you bargained for. Like, in other words, he has something on the tail end that is greater than you could fathom and imagine. Just, just you know, like, I'm going to just take, take a moment. It was, I think it's been quite a ride in the past year and a half at our church. Um, for those of you that are new, I won't belabor this for too long. But, like, it was like, okay, what's going to, what, what, who is God going to provide? You know, do you remember when we didn't have a campus pastor? And we were like, how long do we, how long are we going to wait? God comes through with greater than we could ever imagine. God has plans in mind with not only uh, our pastor PJ, but then several other positions he's begun to like provide for. And I'm like, ah, these are great people God's giving to us. But just kind of com- coming back to the text, God has more for you than you could fathom or imagine Um, maybe it doesn't feel like it now in the middle of the storm but see there's the tail end he's already knowing what he's going to do and so look at this Jairus was called to trust in God not just in sickness but in death Jesus is going further with Jairus okay so also the woman with the discharge of blood she was kind of looking for maybe like a little bit of a fast healing like hey I'm going to touch Jesus uh, get healed and then I'll say see you later What did Jesus say? I want to know who you are. And I want to have a relationship with you. I need you to identify yourself. So you could see he's always calling on us to something higher, something greater in the midst of the patience. And then here is why. In your prayers and in your waiting, he has more information than you have right now. Because he's God. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He is everywhere present. He knows more. I think we need to embrace that truth that he knows more than we know and that he is our God. So here's what I would tell you this morning. Are any of you here feeling impatient? There's something in your life where you're kind of like, I'd like to get to the tail end. Here's what I would tell you. Let Jesus take you by the hand. One of the big truths that I wish I talked about a lot more last Sunday in the the storm sermon uh, at Wash Park was if Jesus is on the boat, I'm good. I don't know when he's going to calm the storm, but as long as Jesus is on the boat, I'm in the presence of God and we'll be fine. He's going to calm the storm when he desires to according to his good and perfect timing, just like he did here. But as long as I got Jesus on the boat, that I'm in the presence of God and he's all powerful and he's all loving and he's good. Do you remember when you were younger and uh, your, your mom or your dad would take you by the hand when you were a little child? I'm just thinking of, you know, we have a three-year-old Judah when we walk to the park with him, we hold his hand because he has this habit of bailing, right? He just takes off and we're just like, no, we're holding on tight, buddy. Um, 
it'd be scary to let go of your parents' hand if there was a dangerous place or a dangerous location. But I would remind you of this. The father lets go of his son's hand on the cross. The son says to the father, why have you forsaken me on the cross? The father let go of the son's hand so that Jesus could take you and me by the hand to life everlasting, to eternal life and to have it in abundance and to have it forever and ever where his kingdom will have no end. Now, we started off the message with Thomas Cranmer's prayer. I want you to hear the second half of his prayer. Check this out. Grant that we may follow the example of Jesus' patience and also be made partakers of his resurrection. This is how it works in this life and we have to embrace it. It's cross first, then crown. It's patience first, then healing. It's death first, then resurrection. So I'd just invite you this morning, if you're feeling that kind of, that waiting, that impatience in your life or in our church or whatever, I'd encourage you with this. May you and me follow the example of Jesus' patience so also we can be made partakers of his resurrection where his kingdom will have no end, where we will see him face to face, where we will see him in glory and we will be like him for we shall see him as he is. And now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts, guard your minds, guard your faith through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen.